But I do want to um, pray quickly because here's what I think. I think the enemy would want to um, leave you with like shame and blame um, from a message like I'm preaching. And I think what the Holy Spirit wants to do is dial deeper into our hearts and our desires and um, our purposes that lay underneath those things. So I just want to invite the Spirit um, to, to be with us this morning, um, as we've already done. But Holy Spirit, would you come and would you translate these words to our hearts? Um, would you work at the level of passions and desire and the deep things in us, Lord, in our hearts, and not just, um, and, and would you not allow the enemy to speak words of shame or blame or stress um, or anything, um, but Lord, would you just minister to us and speak to us this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So uh, Christine did an excellent job last week of reviewing us for First and Second Peter. Uh, so I'm not going to do that. If you want to go back and review and figure out what all we've gone through in First and Second Peter, you can go watch the first 10 minutes of Christine's message, and you can even play a family Bible quiz game if you wanted to and make up points and. And uh, she gave us a nice quiz, so if you, if you missed it. So, uh, but I do want to mention that Second Peter was written mostly um, by Peter to, uh, it was written by Peter, but mostly to protect the church from false teachers and, and false teachings that were moving in. And Christine alluded to that last week because she, she, she ended chapter one and then stepped into chapter two and mentioned the two false teachings that were prevalent at that time. And if you were to go on, we're not going to deal with Second uh, Peter 2, um, but really, really harsh, difficult words from Peter to these false teachers. Um, some of the, you know, really strong language of scripture like dogs and vomit and, and pigs and mud and, you know, all these like darkness is reserved for people like this. And it was, it's, it's really tough. So if you want to see what Peter thinks about false teachers, read chapter 2. But then we get to chapter three, and it's like he took a break for a second and addressed the false teachers, and now he comes back, um, and he starts uh, chapter three with the words, dear friends. So it's like, okay, I'm back to you guys now. I'm talking to you, to, to you believers in the church. And when I read this passage first, and I read it to Galfua, um, she was like, oh, that's really heavy. Like, it's kind of end timesy, okay? Like, like death and destruction of the world kind of stuff, and and I said it is heavy, but I feel like it's hopeful in a sense. Um, and so I don't I don't do much with like titles. Like I don't I don't usually like make a sermon title. But if I had to, um, and it's on the screen, it would be the hope of fire and brimstone. Tim, if you could throw that one up there. Um, or maybe the computer's not working anymore. Um, oh, it would be my first sermon slide after the scripture. So this, if I had a sermon title, it would be the hope of fire and brimstone, or it's all going to burn and that's okay. Um, I, me, Ryan Curley and I used to say this back and forth. It's all going to burn anyway. It's all going to burn anyway. Uh, he actually texted me not too long ago. There was something in one of the sermons about like the end times, and he sent me a text message and said, it's all going to burn. Um, so it's all going to burn, and that's okay. And now I'm going to refer some today to like end times. I'm, I'm going to use some things interchangeably, and I don't want to 
throw around or mess up on the words. When I talk about like end times, we're talking about Christ returning. We're talking about like him establishing the new heavens and the new earth and all that we're expecting to come after that. So that's when I say end times, that's what I'm talking about. But let's go ahead and read this passage together from 2 Peter chapter 3. It's, uh, we're going to read verses 1 through 13. It'll be on the screen. It says this, Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being, and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters, also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. Deluged is a fancy word for flooded. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where, where righteousness dwells. Amen. Um, so sort of heavy. Like, it's all going to burn. It's going to come like a thief in the night. But actually, that's okay because we're looking forward to something. We have something to hope for at the end of it. So, you know, just taking you through this passage quickly, um, you know, I love how Peter talks about in the first couple verses, he's trying to remind them. He's stimulating them to wholesome thinkings, but he's asking them to recall the words spoken by the prophets and given by Jesus through the apostles. And I just thought about this. So much of the Christian life is remembering. It's remembering what Jesus has done, remembering who he's been, what he's taken you through, what the word of God says. And it's like our benefit to recall these things over and over because that is what it means um, to follow Jesus is to remember what he's done and, what he's, uh, and, and, and that shows us what he's going to do. So Peter is calling them to remember these words and then he's giving them this warning about what people are going to say. People are going to come and mock. They probably already are. They're, they're scoffing and saying, look, this stuff has been around. We've been here since the be you know, beginning of time. Um, nothing's going to change. Jesus said he was coming back. He's not coming back. Like life goes on, just move on. And Peter is warning them about these words and reminding them of the creation of everything of the flood, of how God's word formed everything, how God's word flooded the earth, and how God's word again will come and destroy all of this that we see. And he's reminding them, but he's saying, look, 
Jesus doesn't operate on our time schedule. Um, you know, it's not, he's not, he's not bound by the same things we are. He is not, he's not worried about the timing of all this. He operates outside of, of time. And actually his motivation in waiting, you see there in verse nine, is his patience, his compassion, wanting everyone to repent that they would not perish. But Peter says, you know, don't get it twisted. It's not that it's never going to happen. It will come. Like a thief in the night, it will come. When you're not expecting it, it will come. And then it is all going to burn. Um, but what should that do for us? In verses 11 through 13, um, he lays it out. That should lead us to holy and godly lives. Um, that should lead us to looking forward to the day of God and looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. Um, and so I want to talk about what, um, first, about what theologians talk about when they talk about the imminent return of Christ. If you've ever heard that statement, if you've read a doctrinal statement, the Alliance has that in their doctrinal statement, other denominations, they talk about the imminent return of Christ. And all that means um, is that Jesus could return at any time. And that's how the authors of the Bible talked about this. Ever since Jesus died, rose again, and ascended to heaven, the authors of the Bible talked about us being in the last days, okay? So they, said, they, they talked as if Christ could return at any time. A lot of them thought he would come in the next few years. Um, but then, you know, as they got older, they still never gave up on that idea that Jesus could return at any moment. In fact, in the New Testament, it talks about the return of Christ and the end times and everything that's to come, one out of every 25 verses. So one out of every 25 verses is a reference to the end times um, in the New Testament. And then I went through First and Second Peter. Peter talks about this idea a lot. He's kind of stuck on it. He talks about our inheritance being in heaven, our salvation that's revealed in the last time, that we're living as foreigners and exiles here meant for another place. Um, in, in chapter, in First Peter chapter four, he, ta he says, the end of all things is near and talks about Christ's glory being revealed. Yeah, last week in, in Christine's passage, he talked about the tent of this body, which we're gonna talk about in a, in a little bit. And he talks about the day dawning, meaning the day of Christ's return. And here in chapter three, he's all over this idea of the end times because these authors lived in expectation of Jesus's return, that Jesus could come back at any time. And you know, one caution I want to mention here as we, as we think about this is that, you know, one, one of the commentators I read talked about an end times bug, that people can catch the end times bug. You may have, you know, met some folks who have caught the end times bug, and it seems that all they can think or talk about is all the signs that have to happen, and this means this, and this allows for this to happen, and now because that happened, you know, like we're only a few years away, and you have things that, we have books written like 88 Reasons the Rapture Will Happen in 1988. Um, it was a bestseller back in the day, okay? You have like Y2K, a lot of people thought, you know, like this is the end of the world. For centuries, people thought, the great wars, you know, people thought this must be the end times. Um, all the upheaval that we've had this year, I've heard it again. 
This must be the end. Well, it is, this, this is the end. We are living in the last days, but it's not helpful for us to get caught up in these, you know, timelines and maps and how, you know, like all of this connects and that's all that we think about because this commentator author was talking about how this end times bug often leads to this tunnel vision. Like this is all that we can think about and this is all that our lives are about. But the reality is in the New Testament when they talk about Every time they talk about looking forward and expectation, they are stimulating believers to holy living, okay? That's the point. The point of thinking and expectation and looking forward to Christ's return is about how that changes our um, lives, how that impacts us towards, um, uh, towards holy living. So I want to talk about three things that the promise of Christ's return should work in us. And here again, I want to mention, this is where I'm talking about, like, I think that um, the enemy would want to, like, put shame or guilt or, like, oh, I'm not doing a great job of that or I've never, I haven't been thinking about that. But I think what God wants to do is move it deeper to um, the level of our heart and, and our desires. So the first thing that I think that the promise of Christ's return should work in us is the desire for holy living. Okay, um, and what I mean by that is not just like purity and making the right choices and, and not doing the wrong things. I mean that we are set apart. Something that is holy is set apart for a sacred purpose. And that is who we are as believers. We are set apart. You know, some of this is making me recall some songs from my childhood. I grew up strictly on Christian radio. So I, you know, there's a void of like some music in my background that I'm like, recovering, but I got the Christian radio from the 90s down, all right? Um, but there was a song, uh, I don't know if anybody remembers, the lady's name was Crystal Lewis, People Get Ready, Jesus Is Coming, Soon We'll Be Going Home, okay? That was like the chorus of the song. You, you, John Weber, you, you raise your hand, you know that one. All right, as a kid, I was so scared of this. Like, when I started, <laughs> I was like, wait, I want to live my life. I don't want Jesus to come back. <laughs> I'm like eight years old. I got a lot in front of me. Like, please don't come back, Jesus. Um, I, you know, like it's natural. I wanted to live my life. I mean, and, and then I think that some of this is used like to scare people. You know, like, oh, like it's kind of like Santa. He's making a list and checking it twice. Like, you know, I think the elf on the shelf has a little motivation like that. Like, don't let the elf see you doing stuff, you know. So, um, uh, so. You know, I, I don't think it's meant to, um, to scare us. And I, and I realize now, you know, in my maturity, like, I'm, I'm good with Jesus coming back. Um, but Peter in this passage is basically saying, look, these folks are saying he's never coming. You don't have to worry. You just keep doing your thing. Just keep living your life. Um, and and the, the truth is, is that our lives should be set apart as something radically different. We have a whole different purpose for our lives. Our lives are headed in another direction. Um, this isn't it. And living as if Christ will never return uh, leads to three outcomes. I got this from a commentary, so it's not from me. But it sounded good. The first one is hedonism. All right, that's a, that's a big word that basically means do whatever you want, live how you want, eat, drink, and be merry. All you got is this life, so have fun, live it up. YOLO, right? Um, and so that's the first outcome. The next outcome is apathy. Like, 
what does it matter? It doesn't matter. We're just um, little specks, you know, that live and die, and that's it. Um, and that leads, and, and the third outcome is despair. Like, we have no hope. This, this is it. Um, I don't know what happens when I die, but I definitely don't have any hope. If my life is bad, I have nothing to look forward to. If I'm in suffering, remember, Peter's talking to people who are suffering. Um, and, and so their life is difficult. So the choice is despair or hope. But on the other hand, if your life is good, you get comfortable. Um, and, and this just feels like home. Like this, this life feels like it's home. C.S. Lewis said, prosperity knits a man to the world. He feels that he is finding his place in it, while really it is finding its place in him. He feels that he is finding his place in the world, but the world is really finding his place in him. The, the, the comfortable um, Christian is like, oh, this is, this is okay. Like, I'm, like I, I feel okay in this place. Um, you know, recently, I, this doesn't happen to me a lot. I feel like this is something that happens to prophetic people. But I started seeing dimes everywhere, okay? So it was kind of strange. Like, everywhere I looked, I saw dimes, like, I saw dimes in, on the ground, here, there, everywhere, in my pockets, on the washing machine. But it was never nickels or quarters. I wish it was quarters. Um, but it was always dimes. And, I, and it was enough that I was like, Jesus, are you saying something about dimes? Like, like that's, it's, that's weird. I, see, like, what I mean is, like, that's for the weird prophets. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Um, uh, but I, I started to pay attention. And... Um, and I was drawn to the back of a dime. I don't know if you recall what's on the back of a dime. Um, there's an olive leaf and an, and an oak branch. But then right in the middle, there's a torch. There's a lamp. And I started, like, you know, asking Jesus, to, what are you saying? And I was reminded of, okay, a dime is 10 cents, right? There's, there's a story in Matthew 25. Jesus gives the parable of the 10 virgins, okay? So these 10 virgins who are waiting on their bridegroom, and they all have lamps, oil lamps. Um, and uh, so olive oil and the lamp on the back of the dime and these 10 virgins. And the whole point of the story is that we are to be prepared for the bridegroom's coming. Um, that, that five of them were prepared, five of them weren't, and the five that weren't missed out because they had to go get more oil. Oil in Scripture often talks about the Holy Spirit. Um, it's offering a reference to God's anointing or the Holy Spirit coming upon us. And it just, I mean, for, for whatever reason, God was choosing to say, like, pay attention to this. Like, be prepared, be expectant, like these ten virgins, and, and your life is made for a different purpose, okay? So the first one is this desire for holy living. The second one is a motivation for mission. The promise of Christ's return should work in us and motivate us to be a part of the mission that God has for us in this world, okay? This makes me think, it made me think of another song. This, I think, goes back before me, but then DC Talk redid it. So um, uh, it, it was called I Wish We'd All Been Ready. I think Larry Norman was the first guy, and then, and then uh, I came along with DC Talk. And, and this was talking about the rapture. It was like a man and wife asleep in bed. She hears a noise and turns her head. He's gone. I wish we'd all been ready. I saw the, the DC Talk music video. It was like freaky, like two guys walking up a hill, one disappears. And you think like early like 90s computer video like ability. It wasn't great. 
Uh, <laughs> one disappears, one left standing still. I wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. Um, and, and that was heavy, like, as a kid. It was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be walking down the street and this person's going to disappear. Um, oh, I was like, I don't know. All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know what's happening. <laughs> Jesus, if you're online, there was like a, a sound over here and the snow was shifting. <laughs> um, so really, there's no greater motivation than mission uh, than the imminent return of Jesus. You know, my humorous title from before, like, it's all going to burn and that's okay. Well, it's not okay for people that don't know Jesus. Like, it's all going to burn and that really sucks if you don't know Jesus. Um, and, you know, you see this in the passage here. You know, um, Peter is saying, why, why is God waiting? The Lord is not slow, as some understand slowness. He's patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That's God, God's full of compassion for people to come to know him. Um, and I love, like later on in the passage, it says um, in verse 12, it says, As you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. Okay, and this is our part. We get to speed its coming. The alliance has a value. If you've ever heard uh, the alliance's value towards, like, this is one of the mission's values, but it comes from Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. It says, this gospel of the kingdom, Jesus talking, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And so it's a motivation for us to, to preach that gospel in all of the world. Now, maybe that means you're sent into all of the world, or maybe God has your neighbor in mind, which I think he does. Um, and we get to participate in speeding the coming of Jesus. Um, and, and his return should motivate us towards that end. And again, what, what, I, what the Holy Spirit needs to do in us is not make us feel guilty for maybe not telling somebody or not sharing or when was the last time I told somebody about Jesus. It's more to birth in us a burden of compassion for the people around us. Like that's, that's my prayer this morning, that God would birth in us compassion for those around us and a holy expectation for what's to come. And that's why I want to finish with worship this morning um, because I think that's the last thing that Peter is talking about. He is pointing them to an expectation of heaven. If the worship team could come up. <clears throat> if, you wanna, if you read with me in verse 13, at the end of this section that we're reading, it's, Peter says, in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. You know, um, you remember my story of being scared of dying as a kid. I also remember when I was in like seventh grade, it was the first time I ever got to go to like a church camp. It was church youth camp. And I went to camp and came back. And I remember um, it was the first time I had just really loved like being in worship with other people. And I had always thought that heaven was just us like singing forever. Like, and I was like, really? We're just going to stand there and sing forever? Like, that's going to be so boring. Like, I didn't like singing. I had to go to youth choir as a kid. Like, didn't like it. Um, and so I, I remember, though, 
coming back from that church camp experience of, of being in worship and, and singing and experiencing God's presence and thinking, wait, I think I could do this. I think heaven's going to be okay. Like now that I gave it, a, gave it approval, like heaven's, <laughs> heaven's all right now. Um, but, but I shared a testimony from, uh, we had like Sunday night church and we, the kids got to, the youth got to talk about their testimonies from camp. And I shared like, I think like I, I'm okay with going to heaven now because like worship was really good at church camp, you know? Um, I don't really think that's all we're going to do for all eternity. I think uh, we're going to do some other things, but but like I got no problems now being in God's presence. Like I'm looking forward to that. Like that's going to be really cool. It's going to be really good. Whatever he has in mind for us, like whatever we're ending up doing, being in his presence is good. And the, the idea that Christ could return at any moment should birth in us this expectation for being and living in God's presence. And here's the deal. I'm all about bringing the kingdom of earth, I mean, the kingdom of heaven to earth, okay? Like, I think there's some believers who all they live for is heaven. And, um, you know, you've heard that phrase, like, they're so heavenly minded that they're of no earthly good, okay? Like, I'm all about earthly good, bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth and experiencing God's kingdom here through healing and deliverance and salvation and all of that joy and fullness, but as much as I want to bring heaven to earth, it's never going to be the experience of being with Jesus forever and ever. The fulfillment of that is so much deeper and better and that we're looking forward to it. So I mentioned, and I'm going to close here and we're going to worship because we're going to look forward to heaven. But I mentioned that Christine's passage in 2 Peter 1 had this idea of the tent of this body. Okay. Paul talks about that as well. I love that idea of that, that this body is a tent. It's just, it's just a temporary dwelling, okay? Some of you guys may like tents, and you may like camping. You may do that a lot, okay? More power to you. I do not like camping. Like, I've done it. I just don't get any joy from it, okay? My, my roommate, you guys, some of you guys know Matt Wilkerson. Remember Matt when he lived up here? He got me a tent for our wedding as his like wedding gift to me. I, we've never used it. Sorry if you're watching Matt. Um, this, um, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't love it. I had a cousin who, um, who uh, he was a Boy Scout when he was growing up. And he, when we would go visit them on the holidays, he would always want to camp out in the backyard. Okay. Kids like, like Taylor is trying to get me, and Mercy trying to get me to camp out in the backyard. I'm like, why? Um, and, and so we would like hang out in the, in the tent for a little while. But when it came time to go to bed, I was like, I'm not sleeping out here. Like there's a bed, a mattress, a pillow, <laughs> climate controlled environment right there. And I see a cousin still, like I'm going in there. Like I'm, I, so I would always end up in the house sleeping. And so some of you guys do a week with your, the Stroops. You guys have five kids in a tent for a week. I don't even get that. Um, <laughs> you don't either. Okay. Um, but it's like, it's like e that's not permanent for you either. You might like it for a minute, but then you, you don't sleep in a tent behind your house. You sleep on a mattress and, and air conditioning and a heat, you know, and heating. And it's like, you, that, because that's what you're like, that's the best 
possible scenario here. Like, that's, that's it for us too, you know? Like, this is a tent. This thing is passing away. It's not made to be permanent. Um, and, you know, I'm preaching to myself, but it's like, if we could grasp and feel that what is unseen is more real than what is seen, what could Jesus do in us? Um, I was thinking about the joy of our baptism services when we all got to be together and celebrate baptism. I mean, heaven, y'all, like, like magnified by a million. Um, and, and, uh, and my prayer is just that God would make these things more real to us than these, the skin and bones. That, that skin and bones um, and this tent would pale in comparison for what God intends and that, that that would work in us a compassion to bring people along in the story with us, that it would motivate us for the mission that God has. Like we have, we have so many years here on this earth. We have so much time. We don't know how much that is. We don't know when Jesus is coming back. So let's use it for his glory and let's look forward to what heaven's gonna be like.